This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. Did you think John Lester was going to retire after leaving the Cubs? Should Cubs fans feel wounded that he's joining Kyle Schwarber and Davey Martinez with the Nationals? How closely will you be monitoring him slash them this year? Yeah, I never thought he was coming back to the Cubs for sure, but I kind of thought he was done. I didn't know that there'd be a suitor out there for him, quite frankly. And, and I, you know, when he bought everyone a drink on the way out of town, I thought it was great. And I thought that signified kind of the end of his career. Um, I'm not wounded in any way. I don't think Cub fans should feel that way. Um the Cubs didn't they didn't want him back I mean they could have brought him back they could have talked to him about it they didn't want Kyle Schwarber here um Davey Martinez they allowed to leave I I don't know that that you should feel bad in any way um at the at the fact that players you decided to let go signed elsewhere or at the same place whatever it might be but um but yeah I I said it earlier I I will definitely be monitoring them i'll be following them i don't know that i'll be a a fan of them but if i'm out there um i would go to a game if uh, there's ever any travel again i just didn't think that a guy sitting at 193 victories was going to retire i think he's too competitive for that he wants to win 200 uh there's a personal milestone he's an old school pitcher he fi- finally i think he looks at it probably wanted to get a little bit more out of the tank out of his career understandable the fact that it's not going to come in Chicago, I think, should bother Cubs fans under these circumstances. I think if he went somewhere else with a better chance and it was clear, like, oh, well, okay, we understand that, then, okay, this was somewhat embarrassing. I mean, $4 million and they weren't even able to afford that. To me, it just underscores that the how, how budget-conscious the Cubs have become, which uh, I think uh, we probably should have seen coming. But the fact that you have a guy that it was Mr. October for you, you know, he's he's got a lifetime record, I think, four and one in the World Series. This is somebody who was the best free agent signing you ever made as a franchise and helped transform your culture into one where the expectations uh, were so high that when when you <laughs> win a division like last year, then don't go anywhere in the, in the postseason, you feel disappointed. That's partly in, in large part because of, John Lester, you know, first came Madden, then came Lester, and the rest came after. So I think that uh, there's disappointment there. Um, I will follow the the Nationals. I think it's a fun team because of some of the ex-Cub factors. They're also just, 
you know, they've got a great pitching staff, and, and Lester fits at the back end of that rotation. Don't know how much to expect from him this year, but I thought the Cubs could have stepped up just to, it's a relative pittance to pay John Lester a guy to pitch at the back end of their rotation. A pick six to end the half! How would you describe what the Cubs are in the midst of after they let John Lester sign with the Nationals for what's believed to be a one-year, $4 million contract? If Lester wanted to stay, as has been reported, why wouldn't the Cubs be inclined to bring him back to end his career in Chicago as they hoped, as he hoped, rather? Good question. I I think that when you talk about what the Cubs are in the midst of, back in November, Tom Ricketts said that uh, they're not going to tear anything down. And I think that what happened after he said that was that began, they began the process of tearing everything down. You look at uh, Lester not being uh, deemed affordable at, at, at $4 million. You look at you know, Schwarber being let go. They let him go out the door, uh, basically a difference of a couple million dollars. And certainly the Hugh Darvish, the, the salary dump of $59 million in salary to get prospects um, in return from the Padres. And we know what's going on here, and it's going to. It doesn't bode well for 2021. The when when your biggest strength and your biggest source of optimism for the season is the rest of the division stinks. I think it doesn't really speak well to where you're headed as a franchise. You should be trying to uh, win every year in Chicago. I understand that's maybe unrealistic, but you know you're not a small market team, and I guess the Cubs have been through this before. But uh, I'm not sure they have to strip it down to this extent again. So I find myself somewhat frustrated looking at what the Cubs are doing. So that is the way I would describe it. It's frustrating. Yeah, you know, I'm sure for any Cub fan it's really frustrating because this is a difficult thing to see. But they, you know, they made some decisions that are coming back to haunt them a little bit. And, you know, what's always difficult for fans is when – players that you felt were productive enough or could bounce back from a lack of production aren't available to you because you paid other people that uh, that aren't doing very well, right? So you got some big money contracts and not many people interested in making a move for those contracts. So you're, you're left with having to get rid of people to reduce payroll, and that's really what they're all about now. They're just trying to uh, – they're just trying to – they're, they're losing profit, so they're trying to save money on the payroll. It's as simple as that. And, you know, I understand the luxury tax idea. That's not a problem, right? They've, they've gotten low enough now. Um, it'll be very curious to see what kind of team they put together and how clever they can be with, uh, with signing some pieces. But, you know, you think of John Lester at $4 million, you know, where would he fit into the Cubs rotation versus – the Washington Nationals rotation, right? I mean, if 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 you could get a guy like that as your fifth starter, I mean, how? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Especially with his track record in the playoffs, um, you know. You, and you got a good enough team, you feel like you're getting there. So yeah, it, it's always embittering when productive players or potentially productive players are 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 dismissed over uh, contract stuff that happened with less productive players. Let's be honest about it. A pick six of 100 yards! What did you make of Kansas City coach Andy Reid saying Patrick Mahomes might have returned to Sunday's game were it not for concussion protocol? Does the modern concern over brain injuries mean there is a chance Mahomes doesn't play in Sunday's AFC championship game? 
Oh, I think he's playing in the championship game, and I think that that, that uh, you know when he staggered the way he did, and when he clearly had been knocked out at least temporarily, um, that that meant that in the modern age of football, he wasn't coming back in the game. And I think that what Andy Reid said was absolutely accurate. That he came back to the sidelines and he he uh, ran up the the uh, uh, the stairs to get to the uh, up the ramp to get to the locker room and he looked fine and he came back and he was okay and he was ready to go back in the game and in the old days he would have you know who hasn't seen a uh, a boxing match where a guy gets knocked down and gets back up off the canvas and wins the fight so. I think that is the mentality that Andy Reid was talking about and certainly the mentality that he came into the league with. But things have changed and there has been a shift. And I think that's all he was saying. I don't think he was, you know, he was trying to be some tough guy. You got to get back out there, son. I I don't think that was going on. But I I do think in the old days he would have come back in the game. And I don't I don't believe he's ever had a concussion before. I don't believe um, he's going to be out. Uh, for Sunday, I think he'll play. I really uh, don't consider myself a Neanderthal when it can, when it comes to looking at the the uh, brain injuries and concussions in football. But I don't see this as a referendum on the league's concern with concussions. I, I think that uh, what, what happened Sunday. Now, if Patrick Mahomes had gone back into the game, that's a different conversation, and this certainly would take a different tone to the discussion. But um, he's going to have a week between games, and the more we learn about what happened, I, I think yesterday there was even a report out of Kansas City that it was his neck and there was a nerve, and, and obviously it was scary to see him stagger. But I don't think they did anything irresponsible to this point, and I think they're following the protocol. And so a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you have to trust what he tells you as well and and Andy Reid was just being honest and I think that was uh, he was he was accurate as well so I don't think that there's a high chance that uh, he misses uh, Sunday's game at all I, I think he's going to be back in action I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back at practice by the, the end of the week they're being cautious they're doing everything right but if you I think the reporting out of Kansas City suggests that it was as much of, of a neck and nerve issue as it was a uh, head trauma and, uh, you know, that probably comes as, you know, it's a, it's a distinction worth making. But I don't look at this as something that anybody has acted uh, irresponsibly or reckless yet. Pick six. Wow. Do you find yourself amused, bemused, or downright sad to learn that Tom Brady, making his 14th trip to a conference championship game, ties him with Dallas for fourth among all NFL teams since 1970? The Steelers and Niners have been to 16 and the Patriots 15. Is it okay the Bears have been to five NFC championship games in 50 years? No, it's not okay. No, it's embarrassing. And I don't know if I'm in any of those words, amused, bemused, or downright sad. I'm probably more jealous than anything. If you look at Tom Brady, what he's been able to do, and, and envious because uh, and, and you, you admire somebody who is that consistent in his approach, in his execution, and you can't help but um, I feel that's a sort of respect for a guy who is the greatest quarterback ever. But I'm, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. The Bucks stop here because I don't want to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I don't want another couple weeks of the adoration and, and uh, his place in history. We already know where his place in history is. Okay, next. Yeah, you know, I can understand that. I can understand you getting tired of people and all that, but I think it's extraordinary to me. Uh, the Bears and their follies and uh, and Tom Brady and his excellence because I think 
it underscores the problem the Bears have had over the years. You know, Tom Brady is a Hall of Fame quarterback. The Bears, do they have they had a Hall of Fame quarterback in the last 50 years? I don't believe they have. And I think that when we look at, you know, the, the unbelievable 85 team and the great season uh, that they had, the, the problem was the quarterback position. Jim McMahon was great but injured and was unable to kind of lead that that great year into a dynastic type of um, of series of seasons because he wasn't available to them. I think when we think about the Bears, they've been to the Super Bowl twice in the Super Bowl era, and, uh, and, and Rex Grossman was the quarterback, and you did not uh, have – that kind of sustained success because you can't get that position right. And even when we think about 2018 where the defense was so good and the Bears looked like they were back, they couldn't win a playoff game. And that still stands even when they back into the playoffs this year because uh, underscore issues at the quarterback position. So to me, Tom and the Bears' futility is connected because of the quarterback and the lack thereof. This is Jamal Adams with a block and a pick six. After the Bulls had seven players in double figures for the second straight victory, what's the most encouraging thing about this mini turnaround? And what's the key to, to sustaining the success? Yeah, I think the, the key um, is, I think the most impressive thing, that's the first time they won back-to-back games. That's the first time they were able to win the second game of back-to-backs. So... They had been 0-3 in the first few times around, but this time around, because they had won effectively with the 61 points off their bench uh, in the previous victory, now you turn around and Zach Levine ends up leading them in scoring and they end up, uh, you know, it's, it's how the schedule falls. It's the teams, etc. But I, I really believe they could have won. They were in uh, some of these other games. But winning the second in a back-to-back, it tells you that their depth is good enough and they got some help off the bench to get it done. And, uh, and I think that because... The bench won the first game. That allowed uh, some of the starters to win the second game. And you saw some, you know, I think there was a huge three by uh, Kobe in the in the um, in that uh, second half there, going down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And um, and they did get a lot of bench contribution as well. There there were down some players, but they still managed to win. So it's uh, it, it's it's about the growth of this team. You know, I heard Billy Donovan talking about getting five to seven guys in double figures, and they've been doing that um, quite a bit. And there were a couple possessions where, you know, they were having problems. There was one possession that were all five guys touched the ball, and then um, they hit a three. And that, that was really fun to see. And if they can keep that kind of thing going, then they're going to win some back-to-backs. They're fun to watch, and the key to – I guess sustaining the success is continuing to respond to coaching and continuing the efficiency you see offensively. Zach Levine's game is evolving, and just one game after he had 10 points and 10 assists, he had 33 yesterday, last night, on 16 shots. That's pretty efficient. Seven players in double figures. They're getting the balance they want. They're moving the ball. They're, they're certainly uh, balancing the floor. They're, they're being smart and taking good shots. They're hitting threes. They've got more threes through 14 games than any team in, in Bulls history. 
And so they need to protect the basketball better. They need to tighten their defense a little bit. But I love what you're seeing with the Bulls. You're seeing a coach who knows what he's doing, getting the most out of this team. And when he talks about going paint to great, he's talking about getting the ball in the paint and then making something great happen. The Bulls, are the arrow is pointing up, and it's fun to see. It's a pick six. What do you think of Baseball America's top 100 prospect list that included four White Sox and just two Cubs with none in the top 20? Projected White Sox DH Andrew Vaughn was 21, followed by pitcher Michael Kopech at 24, and Nick Madrigal at 40 before a pair of Cubs pitcher Braylon Marquez at 52 and outfielder Brennan Davis at 72. White Sox pitcher Garrett Crochet was 74. Is this list accurate? What seems dodgy? Well, it's, I'll list her fun. Who knows if this is accurate? I'm surprised that Michael Kopech is still considered a prospect. He's been on that list for a long time. Um, the one thing that probably stood out to me was Garrett Crochet is at 74. Are they incorporating injury into their, their evaluation? They must be because of what we saw at the end of last season. I would have thought he would be much higher, but that was the only thing that seemed dodgy to me. Yeah, that's the one that jumps out. I mean, Garrett Crochet is you know throwing 100 miles an hour as a reliever. That that doesn't play in Major League Baseball. I mean, you know, if you're if you're looking at prospects who are going to last in the major leagues, I think he might be ahead of a lot of people even on this list. So um, I, I was a little surprised by that. Um, you know, it's really hard to put this kind of list together because there's no minor league season. But you're right, Michael Kopech has been all over that list uh, in the last uh, four or five years, and uh, to see him. Uh, check in at 24. He couldn't help but be slightly amused by it. Um, I think Madrigal is uh, is going to be a regular in Major League Baseball. I think that uh, uh, Vaughn will get his shot this year. Um, I don't know enough about, uh, 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 you know, we saw Braylon Marquez with one start, I believe, against the White Sox that I remember. Uh, Brennan Davis, don't know much about it. I, I You know, these lists are only fun when you're waiting for these guys to turn up and you're kind of hoping and you got your fingers crossed that these guys can make it. I, you know, I think that there's a lot of names on this list that, uh, that have already kind of broken through. It's just kind of a weird list. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.